Yeah. All right. So, um, so this is our Thanksgiving webinar. I, I scheduled these guys because it's the only one I'm doing this week and for All Thanksgiving. Right. And I thought that Sharon and Laura were the best people to have because, uh, I, I, you know, I think one of the things that we might talk about today is all the things we're thankful for in this crazy, crazy year that we've had. Um, um, so let me just do a little intro and we can roll right into the program, okay? Hi everybody, this is Wendy Murdoch and this is Webinars with Wendy. I've been doing a series of webinars during the pandemic and when I started, I had no idea that by Thanksgiving I would still be doing webinars. I think I'm up to 132. I, I, I've lost count. I only put the number on when I post them onto the YouTube channel, Surefoot Equine. But obviously it's over a hundred and it's been really amazing. And you could, I, is this your eighth or ninth or I've lost count. With you? Eight or nine with you. Definitely. Yeah. It's at least eight. It's probably yeah. nine. And then I did the one with you last week. So it feels like right. more. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I did a webinar with, with their uh, Tuesday group. Um, so uh, I thought what we might do today is kind of talk a little bit about um, what we're thankful for in addition to everything else that we always talk about when we have these two on. Um, so yeah. welcome everybody. And thank you guys for joining me again this week. It's just great to have you back. Thank you for having us, Wendy. It's always fun to hang out with you and, uh, you know, kind of cross-pollinate knowledge and experience. And uh, I think also just be having uh, an experience of edutainment. I think that's the way these usually roll. Yeah, I, you know, and I think that's, um, I did a webinar the other night. It was for um, a biomechanical animal therapy group. And um, it was so strange for me to be doing the webinar on Zoom with a PowerPoint and like talking, but I, you know, I'm so used to the feedback that we, I get from my guests and that I mm. kind of force my guests into that it was, it was such a different experience. I was like, whoa, I don't know how this is going. I have no, uh, you know, feedback. And so what I love about my webinar, the way I do my webinars is that we talk and chat and kind of yeah. uh, dash it back and forth and wander around. <laughs> Well, and it's also, a, we, I appreciate the chat from the participants of the webinar as well, because we had an experience, Wendy, one time where I wasn't recording something like the club, or I forget exactly what it was, but actually I think it was a webinar and we didn't record. And I'm like, oh shoot, we didn't restart recording till about five minutes into the thing. So I'm like, Sharon, we have a PowerPoint. You need to like redo the intro and these few slides so we can cut it in to make it look like movie magic and nothing happened. <laughs> and it was so hard to do that with no one on the other side of the computer, even though it was, it's a one-sided delivery, you know, but you can still feel everyone out there in computer land. And um, yeah, it was hard, especially after doing a two hour webinar to try to like get oh, the energy up to like, you know, hey, everybody, thanks for coming. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it, so now I can really appreciate and understand, you know, people who are trying to do online learning with Zoom and, you know, uh, trying to teach this way, boy, I can't imagine how difficult that probably is. Um, because we're so used to getting that, like when I watch you guys, I get facial feedback. It's exactly what you're doing with the horses. We, you get, you get nodding and working yeah. <laughs> and smiling and eye blinking and, we're so attuned to reading all of those signs from the person that we're in, a, in a, you know, talking to, we're interacting right. with. And that when we don't get those signs, you're kind of going like, um, uh, you know, 
am I on the right track? Did I miss what the point was? Um, maybe they're yeah. not understanding. It's really different. It's really strange. Yeah. When I first started doing the educational webinars that we put out, which is a PowerPoint and I mean, the whole thing at the very end, I'll take some Q and A, but the whole thing, I'm just talking to a box of me. <laughs> so I've learned to be very entertaining to yourself, me, to myself. <laughs> well, that's, that was the thing. And I was trying to do is like, okay. And then I, one slide, I put it up and I was like, I have no idea why this slides here. Um, <laughs> that's awesome. I've had that happen. And actually we did, we've done, um, translated um some webinars to germany oh man and there was one where at this it was one of those like everything everything was wrong everything was wrong and i got the i got the german translated and it was the wrong powerpoint from the one i had intended to send it was similar enough but it wasn't the, it was definitely not the, the right. moments of out of order so i'm like okay so i'm she's presenting right and i'm like going on my I, ipad I, like really quickly to her i'm like i don't know yeah i don't I even have a glimmer it. of what this says because it's in german it's our powerpoint and in so, german and we had the wrong powerpoint because we're going along on the ipad yeah i'm like oh no where is the other one that i sent them and so i'm trying to download like PowerPoint, Anything. Microsoft PowerPoint to my phone or something. And I'm just and going, why is that picture this? there? What did I probably mean? To oh, say? Yeah. <laughs> and then I'm like, okay, I found the thing. I couldn't <laughs> download it or open it, but I'm like, okay, I wrote, it was like about the horse personality. So I wrote like the next personalities coming up on a piece of paper. It was, so it worked out. See. It was fine. Cause I like, think it like, came off with really without a hitch. You know, your own work, you know, hopefully. <laughs> but, but you don't know, like, what were you present? Like, you had an intention when you Oh, started. yeah, for sure. <laughs> and then it's like, so, you know, okay, so what are we grateful for? I think one of the things we're grateful for is the ability to be flexible. Mm. You know, I mean, one of the things that with the pandemic, like, I, I hired somebody to do a photo shoot with some dressage horses with surefoot pads down in Kentucky, but it turns out that somebody's been exposed to COVID, and now we can't go into that barn, and so now we have to come up with plan B, and and I think that, it, you know, you, you, you can't get attached to the fact that something's not working. You just have to keep going and find another solution. And I think that's one of the big messages here is don't dwell on if it didn't work, just find another solution. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm grateful for plasticity as well. <laughs> yeah, that's a good word. And I think that's true with the horses too, is that we, um, so often we go with an agenda to our horse and we have a plan in our head and this is what we want to do and we're going to do, da, 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 it's going to work out, da, 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 and everything's going to be great. And then you walk into the barn, your horse is lame. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, for us with horse speak, you know, it, this horse speak is a language system and there it are some like rules and there's containers to contextualize this language, but it's also a conversation. So it can't, it's not black and white. You're talking to like in our, you know, we have these horse personalities. So it'd be like a mentor or a teacher, or are you talking to a joker or peanut a butter peanut butter and jelly? And jelly? Okay, know? no, wait, I don't know the peanut butter and jelly one. Who's that? Peanut butter and jelly, those are the horses that don't really exude a lot of personality. They want, they're sticky. They want to stick to- Kind of like a pair bond. The herd, they want to stick oh. to their buddy. They stick, if you, they a lot of times you find them in, Pony Club and 4-H and stuff because they're sticky and they just do what they're told. They just want to follow along unless they have had some negative experience, in which case, and they don't stick to their people either. 
so they they can they can be good because they don't really exude much they're just like what okay i'll just do what you tell me to do and that's okay mm. but they're never going to be a show horse like they, they can go to a show but that's not their they're just like i'm going to be small and unnoticeable that's how i'm going to get through my life okay and that's peanut butter and jelly yeah, yeah. and so then you know we can say oh, do these three horse speak things, and that should be good for you and what you're doing with your horse, but the person and the horse play such a variable in that, because who are you as a person? Are you more of an X posture, or are you more of an O posture, able to define your personal space or not? And then is the horse like a mentor or the peanut butter and jelly? And so there's like, as much as we would love to say that horse speak was like black and white. Do this thing. It's not, it's this, it's this gray stripe right here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so somebody, somebody just joined and they're trying to get on track and we really aren't on a track. There's so. no track. <laughs> um, we're, <laughs> we're just kind of, um, well, I started out with talking about it's Thanksgiving week here in the United States. And so we, we try to look back and think about the things that we're grateful for. And, um, and then we kind of wandered over here into some horse speak stuff and talking about a personality. So um, this is really a, a very random webinar today. Um, no because, direction. Yes. <laughs> Um, because I think it's just important for us to, to like, um, you know, the pandemic has been so hard on so many people, but it's also been such a wonderful opportunity for us to, to stop and reevaluate. And whether that's reevaluating our relationship with our horse, uh, reevaluating what we do with, for our living, reevaluating, um, you know, how we want to approach our horses or where we want to go. And then also looking at the horses and going, I had a plan and that plan's just totally thrown out the window. Um, and yeah. so, you know, my, one of my plans was that now that I was off the road for this length of time, I was going to ride my horse. Well, my horse has been lame the whole time I've been off the road. <laughs> so we're still working it through. Um, and we've been, you know, working on solutions, but those solutions sometimes have taken weeks to try and get there. And then you get the piece and then you realize it's the wrong thing. And then you have to start again. And so, yeah, it's been a really, um, but then I have another horse I can ride who has sat for 10 years. And so I started him into work. He's a little Welsh cob. And so I'm really grateful that I actually have a horse to ride. And, and he's really starting to improve, which is great because he's, he's um, needed a job for a long time. Mm. That would, I would say for us, the silver lining of the pandemic also is we were grounded at home. So we had been our whole schedule this whole year was jet setting seven weeks out into Germany, you know, across the Washington, Minnesota, just a bunch of other Wyoming. Um, so it was a gift to be able to spend some more time with our horses on a regular basis. So therefore we could continue learning more horse speak and um, be able to deliver more awesome stuff to our customers. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, no problem. Yeah, okay. so there's been some silver linings. All right, so um, that said, we're, we're really great. I'm, I'm really grateful because, you know, I've had this chance to talk, talk with these guys more than I ever would if they were traveling. I know that. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> and all the other folks that you've done webinars with. Yeah, which is really yeah. cool. You're really, really great. Really, you know, getting some calluses on your fingers, connecting with people so that, you know, you can keep educating everyone you got you have some really great stuff that you like to teach as well as all these other connections so it's been so fun to be a part of this little circle that you've made with your webinars wendy thank you yeah i, 
I, it's, it's a lot of fun and I'm going to keep going and working on guests in December. So stay tuned. We're going to take a little break during this week, but we'll be right back at it. There you go. Um, yeah. So let's see, what shall we, how about if I play a video and we kind of talk about what the horse is doing in that video, just so we have some content. Okay. I just want to say I'm grateful for two people. One person is Jag, my horse, because she has taught me so much about horses and horse care and everything. And the other is Sharon. Oh. <laughs> of just when I met her, it changed my horsemanship. And then as we got to know each other more, she changed my life in many, many ways that I'm not going to get into in this webinar. But um, yeah, I'm just really grateful to be here with both you gals, because this is a, such a great opportunity to um, be a part of such a um, influential piece in horsemanship in the year 2020 and going forward. You know, and I think I, you bring up a really good point, because I think one of the things that we're seeing as a result of this is, is there is a paradigm shift and there is a change in uh, how we're looking at horses in general. I just kind of, I don't know, maybe it's because of the guests that I've had and stuff, but it kind of feels like um, where I had wanted to see that the horse world was going to go 20, 30 years ago, we're, it's taking that long, but we're getting there. We're getting there to a more conscious way of working with our horses, um, uh, uh, a more understanding instead of just simply trying to alter behavior without recognizing the underlying issues. I think that's a big one. Mm -hmm. um, and we're, you know, acknowledging that horses can have pain, horses can be confused, and that instead of just kind of making them do something, we really have to stop for a moment and understand their perspective. And that's what you guys, you know, more than anything, I think what's so important is that what you guys have done is help people understand the horse from the horse's perspective, which we've all been looking at, you know, and some of us recognize it, but don't recognize it. We don't realize what we're cluing into, right? Yeah. Um, that underlying well, conversation. Today, in the chessboard outside, there was a black squirrel, which then caused five horses to start running around <laughs> like crazy people. Just because it's different. Because it's different. And, but you know, understanding how they perceive that, why that, yeah. why that would set them off, you know, why is it, why is it? And how to help them chill out. And I don't know. So some people on here might not know who we are. Oh, yeah. I, was, I realized that we kind of blasted through not having an intro. <laughs> you know, it's a good guess. I'm wearing a hat. It's, it says everything. <laughs> yeah. Go for it, so, Sharon. Go, go ahead and do a little intro. Oh, I was hoping you would. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um. Yeah, that's okay. So <laughs> that was good. Cricket, cricket. Cricket, who's cricket. Gonna who's gonna it? talk it's about your it? idea, so you have to follow through. No, with I it. just want to make sure that people know what what do what it. plant we're even on. Um. It is Earth. I hope. Yes. Yeah, so I'm Sharon. We'll see. This is Laura. We'll see. And. Um, we come to you from Horsepeak Landia, and Horsepeak is all about um, the the nuances of the body language of horses. So that being said, it's not about um, animal communicating, which has sort of a psychic intuitive flavor. Uh, it's not about body work on horses, although that certainly can play a part. Um, Horsebeak is is something that evolved when I, as Wendy said, I took the time, I stepped back and I said, you know, precisely what are horses doing with their micro gestures, with their postures, with their signals to communicate? What are they communicating about? What, uh, what is, what's in their world? What do they value? What do they seek? 
What do they need in order to normalize and feel um, relaxed and well-being? What do they need in order to what, to do what we want them to do, which is to show up and pay attention. So we want horses to pay attention so that we can do things, whatever the thing is. And uh, horses have a hard time paying attention when anything in their world is out of sorts because they're designed that way. They're designed by nature to um, pay attention to things that could hurt them. And that's, that's what they're all about. And so there's a lot of ways that through thousands of years, we learned to sort of contain that, put it in a box and say, here's your box of behaviors. You can do these behaviors and that's all you're allowed to do. And that's maybe okay in the time when we had um, horses for vehicles. Wendy, one of the things I think about sometimes is that back in the day when horses were vehicles, there were also horses everywhere. And yes. horses saw horses working and they'd be like, hey, Joe, hey, Al, see you later tomorrow. You know, like they... That was what they did. Or if you're doing cavalry schooling, you're doing the whole cavalry. You're not doing a riding lesson for a soldier. It's like everyone is doing the same thing. So group mind is a really big feature in the horse's landscape of how they think and behave and move together. So if you have horses moving together, like one of the best ways back in the old days to train a young horse to drive was to attach, keep it with its mom and attach it to the the cart or the trailer, whatever you were doing, and they just trip trot along while mom's put, and then they get in harness one day next to mom, and they're like, "Oh, I guess this is my life." Yeah, I mean, they do that with hounds all the time. It's called coupling when you're fox hunting, and you couple a young hound with an old hound. The poor old hound has to drag the young hound around <laughs> keeping the ropes. <laughs> um, and yeah, I, you know, I think you're probably right that there was a lot more sort of uh, subliminal learning that was occurring back then because. A, there were so many more horses. B, they were in work all the time. So they would be seeing horses working. They would be near horses working. They might be their best friend, you know, that they, that they hooked them up together. Or um, there was a lot more, uh, if you will, herd sort of associations, associations. Rather than what happens now is, you know, a lot of horses live by themselves. It's not right. a problem. Yeah, and that actually makes me think of, um, we do a, a horse beat club. It's on Tuesdays. You had mentioned that. Um, and so from one to three Eastern time, we go live with our club members. And for a small monthly fee, we give, you know, eight hours of webinar time where we feature our club guests in one, um, their video, whether it's like a herd dynamic video or them trying working with horse speak and what they're trying to do or with whatever horses, they're whatever they're doing, lunging, like who knows, whatever they bring. It's always a surprise every week. And we just recently worked with a gal in this, her, this new horse that she had just gotten. And it was fascinating because that horse had been in a driving pair. Mm. Oh, yes. And I don't know what happened to the, the friend, but now it's like a whole new reality for this horse showing up at some random place doesn't have his friend and his new owner wants to go for a ride. And he's like, well, I don't know you. <laughs> and really I don't know well. anything about that. I don't know anything about riding. I am a driving horse and I, and where's riding. my buddy? Where's my buddy? I can't, no, I can't move, you know? So it was you know, what's really fascinating is when there's a, there's a, there's a lot of things I, I want, I'm going to call it a technique, but it's not a technique because it's a communication. It's a technique for us because we have to learn to do the communication, but it is based on um, our body uh, assimilating or, or mirroring stuff that their bodies do. So she's basically standing by the horse's shoulder in movement. So putting her hold hand, saying, my space, your space, we'll be, we'll be connected, but there's going to be a little distance, and I'll move with you, and I'll move, I'll move in stride with you. 
and he settled right in his head dropped and he went okay now i know what to do and he was loose he was completely at liberty in a field and he just dropped right in and said oh yeah tandem this is what we do so that so for it was interesting because it was a starting point to begin uh in entering into a world that he was familiar with mm -hmm. and from that place you know going forward in his education instead of saying well, you need to learn this and this and this. I'm going to do it this way because that's what I do. It's like, oh, this is where you are. I can enter into your world from how you are, what you already know how to do and, and go from there. But being able to use the horse speak gestures, she was able to figure out what, what was the way in. Mm, cool. You know, it's interesting. I had a, a guest last week, Andrea Wadey. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Andrea. She's um, from the UK, but she was in Costa Rica and she had, um, she did a lot of, wound up doing a lot of liberty work. Um, and unfortunately I didn't hit record. So, um, so she's coming back for another webinar. But when I was listening to her talk about, the topic was um, liberty work for traumatized horses. And when I was uh, listening to her, she was talking about, you know, finding something that the horse is interested in. And I was like, have you met Sharon Wilsey? <laughs> well, I've heard of Sharon Wilsey. And I was like, you guys, this is like, I'm hearing stereo, right? Because yeah. there so, so many things that were so similar in that, you know, she was talking about, you know, go over and like, be curious about something and eat some grass. And how often I've seen you go over and like, touch the walls and say, hey, I'm going to touch the walls. And the horse is like, what are you doing? You're touching the walls. Oh, well, let me check out the walls with you. And so it's, I, it's really fascinating to see. And I think, you know, sometimes in the world, there are um, uh, uh, universal thoughts that I think get come into the world and they come yeah. in from like look at classical music when you had mozart and beethoven and all these people there was this crucible of it of information that you know an environment a time where things moved forward and i so feel like that this is one of those times because your work is different from hers but there's so many similar we see these mm -hmm. common touch points and um and, and it was just like, I was like, if you do, do you know, you need to know, and I was like, you guys, because they're, it, we're all working on in the same direction. And I think yeah. that's what's so interesting is that we have our different approaches, our different flavors and our different sort of lens focus, but we're all sort of rowing in the same direction to make this uh, paradigm shift of recognizing that horses can communicate with us if we listen to how they communicate and start to really recognize there is a language that is like a braille for horses that braille. Have, yeah you know that we yeah. have to learn because yeah it's touch right yeah yeah i think so, the cool thing when we do end up t when we do chat with somebody who is working with horses as their their profession and they're just the naturalness and they're doing everything really soft and reading the horse and all that and the fun part to observe is when Sharon is like talking with this kind of person is to be able to explain why they did what they did and also just begin to define while well, you're pointing at the go away face button and you're asking the jump up button to move forward and you know you're and running your hand down their buttons like all these lists of things and it's so cool that people are like well oh. yeah that was what happened at Equitonic except I couldn't hear anything yeah <laughs> I never did hear what Sharon said about what I was doing. I was just, <laughs> it was good. Everybody else did. <laughs> I actually haven't even looked at any of that footage. 
I oh. did film that stuff. So oh, I should, should send it to her. You know, which yeah. is funny. And I, um, yeah, I could just send it to you. You can yeah. check that, it out. And say if that it was would be good. awesome. But that was exactly what, um, you know, what happened there is that Sharon was able to explain to the audience through my German translator why I was able to go to a particular horse to a particular leg at a particular moment, which I was just doing intuitively. Um, and that was the, that was kind of the gist of how we all got together because I found out that Sharon was explaining why I could do what I could do when I couldn't hear any of it. <laughs> but that's okay. So um, let me just, uh, I'll just play a video and we can talk about it just to have a talking point here because I think we yeah, could. Sure. Yeah, um, let's do it. Randomly um, go forever and I think people would enjoy a little. Yeah. Um, so this is a, a thoroughbred off the track. Um, okay. I haven't looked at this video in ages. So at this point he's on surefoot pads, he's on four. You start with one and then you gradually increase the number depending on the horse, whether or not he's interested or able to stand on more than one pad and he's on hard pads in front with soft pads behind and typically i don't get any video until the horse is on more than one pad because they're often walking off and moving off which is totally fine which is what we want to allow them to do but that's why most of the video you'll see that i play the horses on multiple pads because at that time they're standing a little longer and i can step back and grab my phone that said. Oh, I'm thankful for knowing why your videos are always so short. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. You're filming and doing surefoot at the same time. Yeah. And so it's like, you know, yeah, I, I tell you, there's so many interesting things that have happened that I've never been able to capture on film because I'm too busy, you know, and I don't right. have a videographer standing there with me. You know what's really interesting to me about this mm. is the relationship between the rider's movements and the horse's movements. Because when the horse looked right, the rider looked left. When the horse looked left, the rider looked right. I'm pretty sure she's just talking to you the whole time. Yeah. And then the horse got real straight and steady, and she got real straight and steady. And now we're going to have to back that up to see that again. And so now she's with, yeah. and then she just. Here, I'm just going to play it because I, I totally missed that. So I think that's really yeah. interesting. So here, look, stop right there. I can't stop you. <laughs> if you go back a little bit, this is so interesting because of the translation. Having stood on your pads myself, I have a pair and I like to stand on them anyway. Um, knowing what that does to your brain and, and seeing, watching the translation go through the horse's body into her body. Oh, right? So here, right there, if her facial expression is, hmm, right yep. there, right? And it doesn't, like, I don't know if she's done this before or not or whatever, but there's, it's interesting. Her, her, you can, you can almost see in that moment that her nervous system is like, hmm, there's a sort of a taking in the input. And what's interesting here is the horse does a mild boogeyman. I would say that's more of a, of a cent, not a century, a scan, a, scan the horizon, which is very typical when a horse is ready to go deeper, they'll look away, like, is it safe? You know, like before they lay down, they, they check everything. Like if I lay down, am I going to get jumped by a lion? Like I'm not going to lay down if there's a lion. And so before they go deeper into relaxation, they check. So it's interesting here because he's checking. He's kind of checking out also. Well, and that is the direction of the door and the outside. Yeah, of course. Right. Because he's going to look. He has to look at where things could happen yep. to make sure he can go deeper. But I'm just looking at the correlation because... You know, Wendy, for, for both of our work, <clears throat> it's so important for 
people and horses to line up. And the, when those nervous systems, didn't you used to do the heart math? Oh yeah. So you know what I'm yeah, talking about. I used about. to hook up the riders and have them ride with the, with the ear clip. The problem was the ear clips kept breaking. Oh, they needed a better ear clip, but I'd have them ride with the unit with the ear clip on and I could see the lights from the heart math unit um, across the arena because they were so bright and you could also hear the feedback if it wasn't too many because I would have more than one rider so a lot of times I'd have it on silent. If anybody's unfamiliar with heart math, heart math is um, there's a book and there's a website but basically our heart has a little bit of nervous system and the heart can actually entrain the brain. So you know we can get all that really busy brain stuff going on and guessing and fast and future but when we get into a, a breathing rhythm and connect into our heart, they call it heart coherence, then it grounds us and we become very present and the horses totally get it. They totally check into that, that heart coherence. Um, and riders can make really good decisions in that space because they're so present. Right. And mm. I refer to that in my book as being zero. Yep. And lots and lots of tips and strategies for getting there because it's, we're talking about the same thing. It's arriving at that point. So if you were to look at this from the heart math mind of having watched people and look, and so go ahead and hit play and then watch the two, watch the two of them finding each other. Like right here, what, what's your takeaway? Well, he's, he's scanning and she's thinking like, yeah. she's about to talk to me. So she's totally focused on, saying something to me, not necessarily tuned into the horse at that moment. And he's the same way. He's mirroring that. Yeah. He's like, yeah, I'm not even on these pads. I'm looking, I'm going, And, he, I'm and over she there. like nodded his head and he and nodded her head and he nodded and his vice head. Vice versa. Yeah. And yeah. So it's like, they find it, they miss it. They find it, they miss it. And like this right is really, here. yeah, right there. there. Yeah, there's a big breathing change in the horse yeah. there too. Yeah. See, she's, now he's nodding his head with her. And then yep. she had her eyes closed and then she started blinking because she was thinking like and trying to feel the sensation. And he gets centered underneath her and now they're both going. Bleh, bleh, bleh. It seemed like she had like an epiphany. Yeah. Right? So then he started licking and chewing and stuff. But then he's away. He's looking that way and she's looking that way. And they, they lost it again for a moment. But then he found it. He came back. Yeah, you can. It's so interesting because um, when you're standing there, right there. Yeah, you'll Look feel both it. their faces. Yeah. Yep. And you feel this moment of grounding, and it's very difficult to describe when it's like sometimes it's just that fast, yep. and you know that something has shifted, and yep. you can see that there. But I want to come back to this little piece here where he starts to get really. He yeah. starts to sway. Right. They get into a rhythm together. Yeah. And that's it. That's, that's where there's a co cohesiveness, co coherence, there's coherence starting to happen. You can see it. It's so funny when she did that little nod, he flicked his ear. He can't. Did yes. We'll just look at that piece here yep. because that was kind of fascinating, right? So there it is. And then she does a funny little, yep. And he has to flick his ear back on that. Yeah. What the heck was that? <laughs> <laughs> and then he does tail swish and he tunes out of her again. Mm -hmm. And there's a door yeah. on the other side. So there's a door on either side. Can you go side. back and show that for the audience? Because I think that's kind of neat. So yep. when he, so they're finding each other and then he did tail swish, almost like saying, excuse me, I need to look at that. Watch this. There's, there's that moment, the ear flick, and then watch. The soft little sway. There, tail swish, tail pardon me. I need to pay attention to that. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. 
and then, but he's and look at how she it. suddenly pays attention to him. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. Look, so her eyes are watching him right there. And so then he blinks. Almost comes back. Yeah. Yep. He's coming back, but he and then there. That's great. The ending. Yep. Because something in her. This is where bo this body language is completely intrinsic. So when when you can let go of the prefrontal cortex, when the the body language parts of the brain kick in and that's correct like that's she's in she's mirroring yeah and when you yeah. mirror you're in agreement mirroring entities become in agreement with each other let's see if i have um that's the same horse from behind but i think it's too dark i think that's just a still i'm trying to see if i have another video that it's got a download it looks like um Okay, so we have another 18 seconds here of video. But that's different again because she's softer. If you watch her eyes, they're softer. And even though he's uh, like got a little ear back and that sort of thing, there, yeah, there's yeah. his eyes. Because he, he gave an ear back and then he remained listening. So what he's doing with those ears is he's like going, are you there yet? Are you there yet? Are you there yet? And then he goes, are you there yet? Oh, you're there. And that's why he can blink. Yep. It was interesting because she did do like a little something with her feet and he was like, oh, yeah, that's interesting. So um, this may be, yeah, so here they've walked off the pads, right? And you'll, you'll see, well, you might not see the door. The door is to the left. And it's really interesting when the horses walk off the pads because it can be anything from an incredibly free movement to a horse that's moving about the speed of a snail to, um, because they're, they're trying to figure out their bodies. They're trying right. to sort out what that means to them. Um, and you can see where this horse is, is stiff in the back and a bit hollow and short yeah. in front. He's not moving in the way he's designed, but he's moving in a habit, right? And yeah. Which is the whole reason for using Surefoot in the first place. What's interesting there is that the whole time that he's doing tail swish, that's not a, like people ask me all the time because tail swishes mean a lot of potential things. Basically the tail is moving as an emotional expression. So that's what they use their tails for is to talk about what they're feeling. Cause they, and so they, they kind of store emotional tension in the pelvis as well. So when he walked off the pads, the tail is going, which is like a curiosity. Like we, you can do it with your hand. You can be like, Hmm, I don't know what, I don't know. I don't know what I think. And then, and then here it's changing. It's becoming rhythmic. Yeah. Like, you're, you're seeing like, moments of shifts in his yeah. balance and his movement and in his tail. Right. Like right there, he got really like right soft. There. Yep. And then he lost it and his tail demonstrated. He went, ah, oh, lost it. Yep. So it's really interesting to, to look at their tail moving as an expression of what they're, what they're feeling because they're sending, because they have to use their body to communicate, they map their own internal landscape with like an awareness that we actually do too, but we can completely zone it out and tune it out. We don't know that we're doing and it. And we don't have a tail. We don't have a tail. No, I mean, we got two little, three little vertebrae down there. I wish we had a tail sometimes. But that's so interesting that you talk about the tail uh, because so often I've seen that as an, uh, as an expression, but I also see it change. She, um, the horse is really sticky and he's barely going. And this is a thoroughbred off the track that's had a lot of, lot of issues. I've actually seen him more recently and he moves a whole lot better. I don't think she had, did she have spurs? 
And then the person asked, <coughs> somebody asked, uh, is the horse expressing her emotions? Like, is the horse expressing the emotions of the rider? And that's a, that's a rabbit hole because the answer is yes and no. Like they're sharing an experience, right? And so he's, if he's, um, if they're connected to each other, then it's a shared moment. And I think when they get really connected is when his tail shifts and goes, there we are. I would say that's what, and he could be expressing, like if she's frustrated and he's reading it, he might be going, oh, darn it. Yeah. Yeah. But he might also just be having his own feelings. Well, this is the horse I off the track. And I know the rider. She's worked with me and she's, she's a really lovely rider. Very kind and considerate. But this horse was so stuck. And, and it's so funny to see this video because I haven't watched this horse, this video in years. And the horse is so different <laughs> in his movement. But this is when he was first, you know, uh, she was riding him for the owner who <coughs> wasn't skilled enough to work with him. Um, and he was incredibly stuck. So, you know, it's hard for people to appreciate from that video yeah, yeah. Um, where that horse was starting from. And that's exactly why we were doing Surefoot because that horse was really stiff and stuck and not moving freely. You so, know what I have to say, Wendy, about sometimes, because a lot of, okay, so there's like in a, there's a therapeutic model where the horse is always um, kind of expressing whatever the, the therapy client has brought to the session, right? So there's that model where the horse is ref reflecting and mirroring and expressing kind of the feedback that they're getting. Um, and then there's, there's also, it, it can be true that um, uh, if a person has a lot of tension or stress, the horse might be mm, expressing feelings that they're having about the person having tension and stress. So it's certainly true that horses do that. But, but if you wanna think about, they also are their own entity. So they're, they're their own person, so to speak. And when we get together, it's, it's what kind of harmony are we creating in the relationship? That's why relationship building is so vital mm -hmm. and why so many people with all kinds of things out there are like, holy cow, the better your relationship is with a horse, it, the better everything else is going to be, which also means the humans have to take responsibility for where they're at. And so the more we can uh, take responsibility for where we're at, doesn't mean you have to be perfect, but you have to know where you're at then you're, you're not so much just pouring that into the horse and they have to deal with it. You're able to meet them where they're at and then they can, they can also meet you where you're at. And that's relationship is two beings coming together and saying, well, how are we gonna do this thing? And what I like about the Surefoot Pads is he's seeking that and she's mm. seeking it. And so her, she gets in, she finds it very easily. She goes from asking questions to like, oh, we're in harmony. And then she's like, okay, let's go. And he's like, there it is. I like that. That thing that you just did. Yeah, that's good. And then he's like, found it, lost it, found it, lost it. And that's so typical. Yeah. And, and you know, um, the horses coming off the track have, you know, they're not riding horses in the sense of what we're looking for as a riding horse. They're a racing horse. And so their whole movement pattern, their whole psyche is very different. So, you know, if you've ever worked with thoroughbreds off the track, it takes time to help them let go of the habits in their body and to find softness and another way of moving. And that's what that horse, the fact that you could even see that momentary softness in his tail and the momentary softness in his top line for that horse was huge. Right. You know, it was a really big deal. So somebody's asking, are there any recommendations about what to do when they first come off the pad? Do they integrate the new input information they got from the pad better when moving or when standing? So in, in general, I like to, think that horses are designed to move and so if we 
um, have them move. It's about, it's not about standing on the pads and living on pads. It's about gathering a piece of information and then taking it to the, to the earth and feeling that change. So in most cases, I tell people, I like them to ask the horse to move, whether it's just walk. And in this case, if we're at four pads, we are well down the track of that particular lesson. We've been working on the, with this horse now for probably about 30 minutes to be able to be up to four pads. Mm -hmm. um, and if you see that, you know, like he was still quite stiff, but we could see changes. And the whole idea is that if you don't feel that in movement, it's not as easy to integrate. However, that said, there's a lot of horses that they come off the pads and they just want to stand for a little while. Or they're a laminitic horse and they're not going to want to move. So, you know, there's no hard and fast rule. And I like to work with horses under saddle because we can, it's easier to ask them to walk and we can feel those changes and we have to address the under saddle component. Um, right. So that's, you know, it's written in sand. Yeah. <laughs> horse. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I'm really grateful. So, um, so I have another little video here, a very different horse. That just happened. The dog just knocked over a little bookshelf. Oh. It was growling at it's, it. At the bookshelf. With the bookshelf. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, okay. Dog. Sorry. Go back to sleep. <laughs> and so, you know, but that, that, all that said, Surefoot for the horses coming off the track is, is so good for them because there's so many issues they have about grounding. Oh, um, hey, Wendy, have you heard of... I don't want to take us too far off because I want to watch this horse, but um, have you heard of the, the neck? I think it's C67 malformation. Yes. I'm going to have Sarah Mae Davis is one of my guests in December. She is okay. the forefront uh, person on C67 deformation. Okay. Yeah. So we'll have that in, um, in December. I think it's December 3rd. It's, she's in Australia. So it's her fourth, our third. Shall I play that again? Yeah. So this is a, a lovely quarter horse. Um, she's on two pads at this point. Um, she had been doing Western Pleasure. So again, that the movement style for that type of showing is a, a lot more restricted than what we thought she was capable of. It's very interesting to me. I'm looking at the, the, the combination of uh, release and, and tension, release, tension, release. She's, there's parts of her body that are um, not knowing how to release. And there's parts of her that are digging it. Like, yeah, this release stuff is really good. And it's interesting to see that she keeps her head pretty much organized over her right front the whole time. Like yeah. you don't see that her head travels to the left if anything she goes more to the right and then you can see how her weight shifts to the left and i'll just play that really slowly for bill then we get a little head shift to the left right but it doesn't stay there long does it no i'm just going to play it backwards yeah that's cool to do that so if anybody out there in the world is a is a body worker also this is really this is such a great way for the horse to reveal and say, it's right here. <laughs> so where do you see that tension release, Sharon? So we'll play it forward again. Okay. So it's 
So right there, there's an attempt, blink, 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 ears are sideways. So she's it's a little bit of an inward eye. She's in her own experience. And then the person says she's feeling it. She's just, I, I'm assuming that's what she's saying because she's doing this gesture there. Yep. And that the horse listens to that and is not sure if that's a cue or not. Just, that she just the way she listened to it. So what's interesting, can you go back and you'll see what I'm saying? Yep. Um, when she picked up her hand and described it, the, see the horse is right there. Yeah. The ear, the, she listens and then she gets a little braced. Like she stops releasing through her chest. So now she says, oh, that wasn't, I didn't have to do anything. Okay, that's fine. So she brings her head over a little bit, but then she snaps it back. And I'm going to say sometimes when horses have had like a, a very strict show showmanship training, they mm -hmm. get this like, oh, I better not, I better not move in a way that's not okay. Well, and, and what's really great is that you pick up so quickly on, we tend to not think that the horse notices our hand movements when we're talking to somebody else, mm. right? But clearly this horse observed that hand movement. And I think once again, it brings home the fact that the horses are paying attention to a lot more than we are. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, they are, they're absolutely. And you know, if you change, and Wendy, you, you can explain this better than I can because of your, your riding technique. But if you change the angle of your head, you're changing how your pelvis works, you're changing where the weight distribution is. You're, so if you pick up a hand and you move it, you're also changing which, which hip is doing what, which part of your sit bone is doing what, where your energy is going, where your weight distribution is going. And if you're doing this, it went back and forth. And so the horse is like, do I need to stabilize yeah. you? Where yeah. We're, right. So it's really interesting to see that they absolutely, and it's not that you're causing panic or, or worry necessarily, but the horse is asking, is that for me? And I think when we're, when we're communicating with horses and we're learning about communicating with horses, one of the pieces of advice that I give out now, I give it out all the time because people are still like, but I don't know if it's working. So if you can give a, give a, a signal, like you want the horse to move, let's say that, or you want to ask them to come in, and you can count to four, one, two, three, four. And then kind of take a breath out and see what happens. You're more likely to watch a ripple effect to the horse where they go, did, did you mean this? Is that what? And they'll, make, they'll, they'll give you something because a lot of horses are actually worried about doing, making the wrong guess, right? And so when we want immediate response, it, there's no time for them to actually mm -hmm. sort that out. And then they just, they learn things by rote, but they're not, they don't ever get an answer. So what, if you can count to four when you give a, a suggestion and see what the response is when you breathe out, because when you breathe out, it's the release mark and you're like, okay, your turn, see what you got. And even taking a step back. Too, even taking a step back. And then taking a step back. But being really conscious. So if you leave, if you say, I want you to move and you leave your fingers in the air, one, two, three, four and then see what they do, you're, it's, first of all, what tends to happen is horses go, okay, is it this? And they offer something. And if that's what you want, then you're like, yes. Yeah. You know, it's, it, again, it, the similarities that Robin Hood always talks about asking and then waiting for that response. But what you've done is add another level to it of just, here's the four count, put the breath in it, you know, so that people haven't, we sometimes really need a specific action 
Yes. The idea of waiting. Okay, I'm going to wait, but what do I wait for? Or what do I right. do with yeah. myself? And I think that's more important. What do I do with myself? Well, I'm waiting because my brain is all over the place. And, well, and what am I looking for in the horse's response? Yes. Right. This is a big one because a lot of people don't recognize. And every horse person in the world that's worth their weight is saying, you're looking for the smallest try. They have a million ways to say it, but that's what they yeah. look for the smallest try. People are like, I can't see the smallest what, try. Exactly. I don't know what the smallest try is. Right. And that's the cool thing. Like, you know, you're counting to four and, but you're watching, is the ear moving at all? Right. Is there blinking? Is there something, you know, the lip quivering? Is the shoulder quivering? Or is there a shift of weight to the back foot? Because if they have to turn to the left, maybe they have to shift back to the right foot to be able to make the turn. So it's like all those little details are the answer to your request. And it's like, when you're starting, it's just really fun because it's like, oh my goodness, you twitched your ear. That's super. I saw it. it was and you did it. We win. Yeah. And <laughs> but then what happens is because you're both understanding each other, the horses become really bold and they're yeah. like, oh, we're getting it. And they give it faster because they like to give the right answer and they like to know what that answer is supposed to be and go ahead and deliver. Mm -hmm. So when they get tense and they get confused is when they, they're never sure what that answer is supposed to be. For instance, if you ask a horse, all right, I want you to step to the right. Well, in the horse's mind, they're like, okay, here's what stepping to the right could be for me. Ding, 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 ding. Which one of those tracks did you want my foot in? Did you, do you know which track you wanted my foot in? Because you just said right, and I've got like 20 choices here. So that's where they're coming from because their, um, their proprioception is so incredible and it's so fine as long as it's intact and there's other horses and that's, that's where foot comes in that, that you say move your right foot and they say what foot what foot right where is the foot <laughs> what, what, <laughs> what are you talking about i have a foot where should i what what it's not and they do they will lose proprioception i have i've seen it where they yeah. lose an entire leg or an entire part of their body i've so, seen it too yes yeah. So, so not only are they not sure which track it should be and they can't even feel the leg. They can't, they don't know there's a leg, a leg, what leg? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's the cool thing about, you know, what we're developing in our horse speak pilot certification program is that we're creating assessments because the intention of this program is to be able to have more folks out there who can go in person when we can go in person <laughs> to teach horse speak, or maybe everything will just be on zoom, but Anyway, hopefully not, not everything. Okay. Not, yes. But you know, like basically having a checklist of things that you're doing as part of like the horses have taught us to do these things and what are you observing? So then if you're in a teacher mode, you can explain why this has happened. And you know, you can also give some suggestions. And so creating like this formula for people to go run through to check in, did the horse make the turn in the stall like falling over or is the hind end sticky? Or? Which is w also why we love talking to you so much. Yes. And we love your product so much because eh, you can put a horse on some pads and you can learn how to study them. And that's, uh, I, I always think of Surefoot as kind of like a magnifying glass that it takes what's there and it, and it makes it easier to see because there's so often that we can't see the, where the horse's weight is or how the horse is distributing his weight, which explains why he's doing what he's doing.
Right. You know, and, and like in that last, uh, that third red that I showed, somebody's asking me about the spurs and would I stop the, if, if the reactions to the spurs. And what you have to realize is this is a horse that doesn't even know how to move under the rider in a, in a riding way. He was off the track, a very sticky horse. And, you know, the, every piece of equipment has a place. And I did not take off the spurs because I didn't see that as an issue. And it, because in that case, I was there to work with Surefoot to help the horse have a different experience of its relationship to the ground. And, it, you know, seeing a video out of context without seeing where the horse has come from and where he's gone to in that experience, it's really uh, an unfair judgment by anybody watching that to judge the rider and what equipment they have, in my opinion. Um, because we don't know all the circumstances. And in that case, you know, we have to look at what's the best thing for that horse to be able to communicate something where we can get a change so that he can understand. And by using surefoot pads, what we see is the horses soften so much and start to feel the ground in a different way and start to experiment that many of the things that we would have to traditionally do, we don't have to do. Um, and it was so interesting. I did a surefoot workshop a, a couple weeks ago and, and I purposely asked for a, a thoroughbred off that's on the track because the students had all got really comfortable with these warm bloods and they were really chill. And, you know, this thoroughbred comes in a chestnut mare and she's kind of high and the woman wanted to do all these training things. Right. And I was like, no, 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 that's not what we're here to do. And I just grabbed a pad and stuck it under her foot and I, she walked off. No problem. I did it twice. That horse instantly left the outdoors where she was staring out and started investigating every corner of the arena. And it happened in two minutes. Yeah. And so, you know, it's, it's about what, having a tool to how quickly and how how effectively can we help these horses a understand that we want to make them feel safe b that we're going to listen to them and c we still have to ask them to do some things right um and so it's that combination of ease and efficiency and finding the way for each horse as an individual with each rider to be able to understand what we're what we're about what that partnership is and I think, you know, the agency to, like with the Sherpa pads, the agency for them to rediscover their own balance, whether they have a rider or on just, you know, solo the horse and the pads. And it's interesting because they can like start feeling it out on the pad and then they start walking off and it's like, they kind of have to readjust to a new body. Absolutely. But, you know, they're like, oh, I feel a lot different. It's kind of like, you know, you go and do the Stairmaster. You haven't done Stairmaster for <laughs> years and you jump on for five minutes and you might feel a little tired, but you're also like feeling your body totally different because all your ligaments and your muscles and everything, the blood's flowing. So it's like all those little micro movements are like a rediscovery for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, something else that we, we've discovered from horses because everything that I teach is from them. Right, because we got plenty of stuff, we have plenty of human stuff that we like to do at them. Um, one of the things is that horses make safety objects. They make a poop, they'll make a safety poop that has a certain pheromone smell to it. They'll make it in a specific spot. Some, if you clean it, they'll run back and make another one. They're like, no, that's my safety poop. Why are you taking my safety poop? Um, we've had aerial photography where they make uh, geometric patterns with the poop, usually circles around uh, areas that they like to stand in. So they've encircled themselves with safety poops. Um, they also make, you know, um, scared poops, like they, the, you know, the poop shoot when they're running and they're scared. <laughs> so they, there's all kinds of um, ways that they make markers, but they will um, also touch objects and select objects for this is, this is an object I feel safe near. 
I feel like I'm contained and this, this makes me, I can hide behind it. I can relax behind it. So in that way, what I think um, is organic in, in this work in, in the Surefoot Pads is that it instantly is going to, it could, not, it won't always for every horse, but it could um, just go right to that spot in their brain that says this is a safety object. And then they go, oh. And if that's a safety object and the people gave me a safety object, well, then they must be safer. And then this environment must be safer because it begets itself. Mm. And that's that in the majority of cases, that's exactly what I see. Um, the number of horses that, you know, when I saw you work with a safety cone at that clinic that you did in Virginia, which feels like five, 10 years ago, I know, um, right? but you had the safety. And I realized how quickly horses recognize the pads as safety cones because they go back to them and they keep dragging people back to them and they want to be on them. But they also very quickly associate that safety with the person who brought it. And this is something that has been, has fascinated me so much is how quickly you can get that relationship using Surefoot that, you know, there aren't there, you know, that there are other means to achieve that, but it's just, it's a natural byproduct. You don't have to make it happen. It just happens. Uh, is that why horses touch the pad with their nose? Yeah. I mean, I've seen horses, uh, you know, literally, um, uh, we, had, we had a Mustang and he was a stallion off the range. He had been a stallion for six years and he had been, uh, his thick underneck was so, because he'd been so busy standing there watching and protecting all the time. Right. And, um, when, when he figured out that Surefoot brought safety, he, he would then go over to any orange object because the patch used was orange. And he, he would literally go to over to any orange object and let down. <laughs> Safe here. Yeah. Yep. I'm safe here. It's orange. I'm safe. Now we don't know that they see color the way you do, but he clearly associated. So he went to cones. He, you know, he went to pads. He would go to all kinds of things and, and let down. They became his safety objects, multiple, um, awesome. which is really cool. And the horses do, they'll come back and they'll touch them. They'll touch the pads um, very frequently. They'll step off and they'll go, wait, what was that? In fact, I just had a horse on Friday. Lovely, lovely gray horse. On, um, and he instantly was like, oh, this is cool, right? So they, they pick up on that super fast. Um, yeah, and, and it's interesting. Like that, that's what the stuff that people figure out that tends to have an immediate gratification to the horse that works really fast, it's, it tends to be because there's something intrinsic about that. Yes. Yep. Because you can, you're not training horses to see uh, um, surefoot pads as safety. It, mm. it, it appears that way as soon as they touch. And there's something about... And this is interesting, um, Wendy, geek out moment for a moment here, right? Just, we're just going to geek right out. So I was in a fit recently, and I had to learn about quantum tunneling. I don't know why quantum tunneling. It was. Have you heard of quantum tunneling? No. So on the subatomic level, you know, there's particles and waves. Yes. So let's just say for the sake of argument, it's not Newtonian at all. It's this weird quantum world. But let's just say for the sake of argument, there's a thing, and there's a particulate, there's a particle, and it wants to go on the other side of the thing. And normally we, we, would, we would say that something's gonna bounce off or something's gonna go around because that's what, that's what happens. Well, quantum tunneling is it just goes through. Oh. And, and it's not like it makes a hole and goes through, it just goes bloop and it appears on the other side. And so this is a really fascinating thing. Um, it, it's connected it loosely to the, they've, they've kind of started discovering anti-gravity by opposite gravitational, this whole thing, dark matter, blah, blah, blah. But what this, what's cool about it is one of these scientists 
was talking, he's a, a bio quantum physicist. So, so biological quantum researcher. So they're looking at how do bodies take advantage of certain quantum realities? How does it give like uh, an enhancement or an advantage to, to body performance, to cellular performance? And <laughs> one of the things they're looking at is <clears throat> quantum tunneling inside of cells because that would help with delivery, wouldn't it? If you're trying to deliver specific anti-cancer medication and you know how to do quantum tunneling and you can just deliver it to those cells. So there's a lot of interesting reasons why they're looking that Here's up. Here's the track that went over here. Here's the track. But <laughs> quantum tunneling is also possible that, it, that it's involved in smell. That when the scent, mm. the little receptacle that the, the molecules fit into the receptacle for scent, yeah. Yep. So here's a little scent and it comes in, it fits right there. And that, this smells like poop when this smells like steak, right? So that's all these little scents. <laughs> well, some of these, these scent particles have like a vibration to them. And then they, then, then those particles do, do something else besides what they would not just fitting in there. They're doing other things. And so <clears throat> some lead scientists are thinking that there's quantum smelling which would be smelling more along a timeline, which would help to explain why dogs can smell things that happened five years ago and things like, you know, like they can find bodies that were there like this more than just <coughs> the, Oh, there's like, like tiny little particles. They're like, there are tiny little particles, but not really anymore. Not really. It's like homeopathy. It's gone now, honey. It's gone now. <laughs> so there, there, um, horses, uh, in the research, horses have this almost the same uh, smell ability as dogs do. So they're right. smelling, they're smelling things on on layers we can't even fathom. We don't even have the capacity. We don't have to this. Fathom. Yeah, we don't have the structures to even. But well, when okay, they go up to a explain, pad, quantum tunneling would explain. Okay, now we're going to take a shift. Why the Aborigine can walk a path from someone who's walked five or ten years before in Australia? They can smell it that all the time yes well, but maybe they're quantum tunneling maybe it's not even maybe it's a vibration left in the earth and they just because they can they can track from years before and follow paths and that's what they're thinking they're thinking that part of birds being able to uh know what what migratory pattern to follow you know they know about following magnetic ley lines and they know about all these things but there's a there's a quantum uh mechanic to it and they're thinking that there's some quantum tunneling in in vision or in the perception of vision to follow. It's really, it's just cool stuff. But I was thinking, so that was the whole backdrop. I was thinking about that in relation to surefoot pads because of there might be something intrinsic in the fabric that you've decided to work with that may emit, because so, horses, a pad has never been touched, a pad that a horse has never been on. Right. Because we got our pads and the horses never touched them. They're fresh, we took, took the plastic off and showed the horses and they touched it and something went bleh. And is it a tactile sensation? But what, what combination of senses are happening? It's just a thought, but. Yes, yeah, somebody's like, we're going, well, the, the problem, the reason we go deep is because we don't know how surefoot really works. Like, like we see, I've shown you some very mild kind of horses swaying a little bit on pads, but I mean, we've had some really dramatic responses in like, no time at all yeah. and, um, and there's and we have no good explanation for how that's happening like none um and we have no good explanation for why this is consistent and why horses totally change in behavior patterns of movement and and you know 
uh, relaxation in minutes from like, I just did a talk for the um, Animal Biomechanics Association in Australia and showed them, oh, I'll show you Lars. Hang on. Speaking of quantum tunneling, let's look at Lars. Yeah. Yeah, because Lars, so Lars, I'm, I'm sure I have him on this laptop. I hope I do because my, all my pictures are supposed to like. Do you have a laptop for your generations of pictures? I, I, have, um, I have a backup drive and then I have multiple, um, uh, you know. Yeah. Someone says, I find it really interesting. It's between intention and fascia. Lars! That's exactly how he spells it. Where the, where the heck did you get that? Um, uh, Germany on the um one of those places you pull off a rest area yeah highways heading to the netherlands that's our it's, nickname it's my nickname is it really yeah oh that's weird yeah they someone's talking about intention and fascia and then you and i one time when you were talking about interstitial fluid and what's going on with that and there's a there's so many there's more that we don't know than that we do i think yeah so um oh crap where is it where's lars uh so lars was this uh Amish driving horse and he came to my workshop and he he looked like a giraffe I mean I'm trying to find the before and after picture that Sue sent me because it's uh, let me just look up Lars because it I mean it's so incredible um and then the change that this horse made in two sessions essentially um I'm trying to find the before and after picture because it should be right here in my mail hang on I'll Talk about something while I dig it out. <laughs> well, everyone, this is Rondo. This is Rondo, she is the queen of the universe, and she <laughs> quantum tunneled into the office. Yeah, she disappeared. Oh, she there we go. Somewhere. So there you go. There you go. I think cats can yeah. quantum tunnel, right? <laughs> oh, cats can definitely quantum tunnel. Yeah, they totally ninja everywhere. It's like those who say the brain works like the universe. Yes. Yes. Things are all um, reflections of other things and systems within systems within systems but they're hot like we started talking about um heart math institute because of coherence and and the fact is that if you put a bunch have you seen that the exercise where you put a bunch of metronomes in a room and then you just hit the camera and watch and then if like i think it's 10 minutes they'll all be doing the same TikTok. so there's something about entrainment and that um the herd mind well yeah but the metronomes don't have any mind so well there's this weird thing there's this weird there's a thing there's a force what is it rondo tell and us it exists you're the queen of the universe why she, are you talking but she won't cat's got her tongue what is the oh. cat thing? <laughs> that's bad that was that was a bad rats oh wait wait maybe i can find it in one Rat has her tongue the cat says i'm not telling you how to quantum tunnel because you guys are already a mess yeah it's a secret <laughs> But yeah, I think that um, it's it's really, I love just being open to possibilities and it's okay with me to, to not know everything. But when you're talking about this kind of stuff, um, what, what Wendy and I present and what we what we are really into is the, the evidence that you can observe and that's patterns that repeat, patterns that are predictive. So if you can see repeating patterns, you can then say, how do I, where am I in that pattern? How do I fit with it instead of how do I take this situation and try to wrestle with it and make it do what I want it to do? And so surefoot pads are about really um, opening up to the pattern that exists for the horse, what's yeah. there, 
and then recognizing that pattern and then you can work with that well it's just like the comment in the office environment over time women's menstrual cycles yes. start lining up exactly so i found lars okay so i'm going to share my screen okay, okay right. so so this this is my talk that i just gave to that group uh, so this is lars on the left at the and at the beginning of the workshop before we put him on pads and then the next day the picture on the right is the next day but i'm going to show you the real story of this is what Lars looked like when she bought him and she'd had him for three or four months before the workshop right and that's how he moved in the above picture he mm -hmm. was a driving horse in an overcheck so that's how he was moving when he walked into the arena for the surefoot workshop and the bottom picture is how he walked out okay? wow and then the video here this is Lars two weeks later without seeing more pads wow okay so, so that's that intrinsic thing that you're talking about is how much change this horse went through in such a short period of time, which does, that's another horse, which, you know, when we think about the normal process of change, we think that it's going to take time to take a horse that has been in an overcheck and been driven and looks like a giraffe and his, that actually picture his butt's pretty level, but his butt was like lower than his forehand because he was sitting down so much. And, from the driving and then to go to that bottom picture and he was reaching into the contact in two days and on the first day he only stood on the pads for about five minutes he stood on two pads in front hard pads for about five minutes and then the bottom we just we didn't even do a whole lot with him i think i did some back feet and stuff like that but maybe 20 minutes total walking and standing on pads and, and walking and that's the kind of change and so when you see that kind of change um i think i, I have another um this horse here, oh, I this was the injury that she suffered. And she'd been to all of the veterinarians like down at UT Tennessee. This had been cut down to the bone. It took over a year to heal. And then this is how she was moving. Actually, when we were kind of finishing up the first session, and then I went back a month later, and this is how she was moving when I walked in. So they didn't do any pads in between. The changes just continued. I don't know how I get my picture. Where's my pointer? Oops, wrong, wrong thing. I don't know. My pointer has gotten lost. Um, How can I decide which feet to start with? I have a driving Morgan who I'm hoping to relax. Okay, hang on. Let me get out of this and get out of. Um, but yeah, but this kind of change, this was just astounding. And yeah. it wasn't like we did the pads with the horse over and over again. It just popped the cycle back into an into another way. Um, Oh, people stand on sure foot pads a lot. Yeah, and we've seen crazy changes like headaches go away and you know, kyphosis, yeah, and changes. And how do you decide which feet to start with? Um, you st I typically start in the front because it's safer, you know? I mean, I, and if you're working with a driving horse, you clearly start, um, you know, out of harness um, and then in harness, out of cart, and then finally in under cart, under, under being driven. Um, but, uh, yeah, the huge change in the rider and the rider actually, you know, this is where I so like to do surefoot and not tell the rider to change because you'll see the rider change. And Bob, actually, I can show you a picture of Bob. Um, he's another one. I don't know if I have. Oh, yeah, I do. Um, let me just back up on my, on my slideshow here. And here's Bob. Um, and this was an experiment we did at, um, oops, share screen. Hang on, let me get Bob. We see Bob. We see Bob, Bob. right? Yeah. So, so I went up to uh, the Icelandic horse farm in um, 
Canada with Robin Hood to do an experiment. And Bob was our experiment. And he was a thoroughbred off the track. He broke his withers after he came off the track. He'd raced for, I think, like eight years. And he was moving, trying to get himself out of the arena, was, couldn't pick up his right lead, um, wouldn't stand quietly to be tacked up, and was really anxious coming to the arena. And we did three sessions over three days. And he never missed his right lead after the first session. He started standing quietly to be tacked up. He would pick grass walking over to the arena. He stopped trying to get out of the arena. Um, and, you know, that horse is just, we have done many webinars on that horse, Robin and I, because we keep following him up and talking about Bob right. and how he's continuing to, to change. So I, I'm going to add my two cents to um, the potential um, mental and emotional reasons why a couple of pad sessions could do that, which is that what else is happening? The other thing that's happening when the horse is on pads is people are paying attention mm. to the horse's state mm. and you're, you're holding your, it's called making space. You're holding space for them to be them without judgment, without demand, without expectation. And you're interested in what they're interested in. So you become present, you become quiet, you watch, you breathe. When they, when they start rocking, people tend to go, ah, people, you're, <laughs> you start rocking, right? And so and nodding. You're nodding. And so there's the entrainment, the TikTok starts to happen because people stop, become present, and become a compassionate witness. And that's what horses need. Like if a horse is traumatized and they go out to a field and there's a good mentor or calm horses, the calm horses do compassionate witnessing of that horse. And that's what that horse needs to release. But in the presence of humans, horses don't typically get that level of intense, compassionate witnessing. We tend to show up and do something. Mm. But it's not that we're being met bad or wrong or anything like that, but we just don't tend to think of it that way. So in the, in the company, in the presence of human beings, if horses have had difficult, stressful, traumatic experiences with human beings, they have to have the counter. They have to have the compassionate, present exposure to human beings that are saying, I don't even want to, I'm not even going to do body work on you. I'm not doing, I'm just going to be here while you be you. And I'm going to celebrate you finding your way. And I'm going to enjoy being present with you. And that's not typically what we do. But when we do that, we're modeling the behavior of the horses in the herd that have that role. Because there's horses that serve a role in the herd to stabilize everybody else. That's their function. That's what they do. And they're very calm and they move slow and they don't tend to drive other horses away. They're, they're just present. And they, they do like gentle little things to just say, you can be with me, little buddy. It's okay. You're safe. So when we're doing that kind of stuff with them, even a few times, I'm going to guarantee that there's something in the human that's shifted also forever. Yes. And, and this is when I do Sherpa workshops, I have to be so careful not to do too much time with horses on pads. Because if I do too much time, they're drooling. The people are just like drooling. And I'm, like, I'm totally lost them. And I'm like, I have to really limit how much we actually work with the horses because of the effect on the people. Yeah. And so they start to entrain with the horses. And that's yes. the yeah. thing that's so interesting is the humans turn into, you know, gaga, you know, not, not in a gooey, just, they just melt. I just watch people melt and they become very relaxed. And, and I, and so I'm really careful about sort of the exposure 
of the people to the horses on the pads if I want to have anybody pay attention to something. <laughs> you want them to actually learn something. Yeah. I mean, they do absolutely learn something on that subconscious quantum level, right? Sure. But in terms of technique, it's like, hey, we got to work on technique here a little bit. Yeah. And I mean, we actually have a similar experience from, you know, we've been doing a lot of sessions with folks over the phone, which has been, it's basically like being there. We're mm -hmm. on Zoom. It's We're recording these sessions and we're coaching. The person's like 20 feet away and they've got some earmuffs in so they can hear and talk to us and everything. But it's like, and we're in on the session and Sharon's coaching and we're talking about all these little micro movements and everything. And then we're both like, start breathing. We're like, yeah. We're feeling the horse. And so we're like, breathe. You have to breathe. breathe you know? And we're going to prerequisite people. Be like, okay, so during the session, if you start hearing us breathe, that means breathe. If we don't say anything, just start breathing. <laughs> if you, you don't, don't say anything, anything, do they start to breathe when you do? Do they get it? Sometimes. Sometimes. But, you know, they're so, they're so, they're like, so focused. Yeah. And that, yeah. Because yeah. it's like, it's hard because it's, great to learn horse speak when you are just in the field and is flowing with them and hanging but then it is so the if you're moment. problem solving yeah i have to say move your right hand yeah. like this and your left foot you're like, like a that. marionette and you have to pay attention sharon's like stop no wait go that way <laughs> and then the and then predictably <laughs> zoom freezes for that moment I'm like, oh my goodness oh. luckily everything's always been totally kosher but there was that one time like we said put your hold hand up at this uh mare who was on the hairy side of a little bit grumpy and the whole thing froze and we're like oh no oh geez i hope that went well <laughs> i mean it was on the other side of a fence but still it was a round pen anything could happen and it did it actually worked uh, splendid yeah. but but one of the things that we've noticed too is first two things first horses come to the phone and do yes. breath greeting at the phone for us and the more we work with these horses the more they come to the phone first before the session starts yes and we're over here going, <laughs> and we're actually meeting, we worked with this um, couple, horse couple, horse human couple over the summer, almost every single week actually. And so he would come over to the phone and we haven't spoke to those guys in almost two months now, but we're talking next, uh, next week. So it'll be really cool to see if our man Hefner comes over to greet us when he starts hearing our voice. So that's the first thing he will. I've had horses actually try to find me inside of a speaker. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so then the second thing is that a little goes a long way. So mm -hmm. we'll have a few sessions and so many dramatic things change for the horse. And I think because bigger, it's a sort of bigger, bigger body phenomenon. Like a horse has a bigger body, the heart rate is, is measurable away from their body, what, 10 feet or something. I might have that figure wrong. But it's, it's a bigger body syndrome. So if their body's going there, you're, you're sort of going along with it. And if, if what you both practice doing is going along to a better state, then you, you both want to get into that better state. I think we have gone into the quantum field of horse time because it's like 20 after two. I, I know, I know. And um, we need it, to go. It's really great. And the sun is now out here and i have an outdoor activity that i was um looking forward to getting to with this sunshine all right so we'll wrap this up but i just wanted to let everybody know that i had just to make sure I, um right now on the murdochmethod.com shop uh we have free shipping and through cyber monday through the 30th of november so if you're watching this webinar after the 30th of november the free shipping will be gone um but 
thank you everybody for joining us. Just remember you can find this in all the webinars on the Surefoot Equine YouTube channel. If you subscribe, you'll get a notice every time we put another one up. And everybody have a wonderful and happy Thanksgiving. Please stay safe. Thank you guys. I am so grateful to have you in my life. It's really such a pleasure. Thank you, you too, Wendy. Wendy. For, every, you. Not, for my webinar family. So thanks a lot. Absolutely. Take care, everyone. Happy holiday. Bye. We can quantum tunnel into that turkey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just checking. There was a couple of questions. I wanted to make sure I got them all. Yeah, and.